0: Hello everyone, you're listening to episode 17 of the Merge Marketing Podcast. Today we're chatting about why Canada is one of the greatest countries to live, specifically from an immigration perspective. All right, let's merge over to the interview.
1: You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Lauch and Jason Hunt. This is a show all about unlocking the marketing tactics and secrets behind everyday brands. Each week, we'll bring you expert commentary so that you can make better choices when it comes to growing your business. Thank you for spending time with us. Now let the show begin.
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you and welcome to the Merge Marketing Podcast. Our guest today is Brandon Miller, Managing Director at Maple Immigration Services. Brandon is a certified immigration consultant with ICCRC and the founder of Maple Immigration Services. He is passionate about everything immigration and enjoys helping people come to Canada as well as seeing them happily integrated. Although his main focus is to provide immigration legal services. He has also worked as a settlement counselor, a volunteer to the regulatory body, and a teacher and mentor at a local college of immigration students. He is also a family man living in Toronto with his wife and two young daughters. We are happy to be chatting with him today. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you okay Brandon so um, before we get right into the uh, the interview today I just love for you to tell the merge nation a little bit more about yourself uh, as well as uh, more importantly what makes Canada such a great place to live and immigrate
2: okay great um, well listen I, I got into immigration about uh, 10 about ten years ago um, and uh, what had happened was is I originally started studying law and then uh, you know, I I ended up overseas for about ten years. Uh, I started off teaching English and then opened up different businesses over there. Um, but what had happened was, is I was working on a contract with a with an educational company, and they had an immigration component to them. So um, I have always had an interest in law. It's already it's always served me well, and it was always something that I was interested in. I got into Oh, I got into my early 30s, and I just decided like I wasn't really happy in the educational sphere, and I I, I switched gears. So, um, the interesting thing that I find is is that I spent so many years outside of uh, outside of Canada that, um, you know, I uh, I decided to come back, and and I think that was that was precipitated by the fact that I had had my first daughter, um, and it was one of the reasons that I decided to come back to Canada because you know, and it's frankly, a lot of the same reasons that a lot of my clients come here um, is because they're looking for a nice, secure and and safe place to live. uh, And Canada certainly provides that. Um, Your other question about some of the benefits of what uh, Canada provides, um, you know, I think anybody who's here listening to it understands what a a great place we live in, uh, if you've been around, but we have, um, you know, we have a number of different uh, things here. So I think that, you know, Currently in our, our current situation, I think we're all appreciative of the the medical services that we enjoy. Um, you know, we have a pretty strong financial system. I, I have to say that I'm pretty happy with uh, some of the things that have been going on recently with the the government subsidies. As a business owner, um, obviously there's excellent excellent benefits for children and and uh, you know just quality of life. Um, yeah, I I you know, I could go on I could go on for an hour Dave, but uh yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's a great place, man. We we consistently rank high and and for good reason.
1: I uh so it's interesting you mentioned that that's what got you into it was was living uh, in another country. Which country were you were you teaching in?
2: So I started off teaching in Korea. I was going to go for a year. Uh, and and strangely enough, I, I went for that year and I was going to come back to a job that I was offered. Uh, and then I just came back and I said, yeah, I think I'm going to stay. So I stayed for four and a half years there, uh, came back to Toronto, started a business and decided that I was going to be back in Asia because it was most, most of my business was focused there. Um but I in my 4 years over there I traveled all over Asia and one of the places that I really found um uh you know intriguing was the Philippines and the reason that I liked it so much is cuz I was an avid scuba diver at the time and uh I really liked the fact that everybody spoke English really well um you know living in in uh, northeast Asia there um you know I I fun fact I I learned how to speak Korean quite well actually um, but i was I was missing the English and I was missing the access to a lot of the stuff so i I ended up in the Philippines for about eight years uh, with back and forth in Hong Kong and then i and then I finished off in the middle East uh, I was specifically in Kuwait, which I've traveled that whole region as well so that that was predominantly where i was uh, where I was spending most of my time, yeah. I
1: have uh, so I, I have a, a background in teaching English in Japan. After I finished I university, you know. yeah, after I finish university, I wanted to extend my college life as much as I could, and the best way to do that is is go teach English in another country. You're doing the same things you were doing in university. Instead of educating yourself, you're you're yeah. teaching English, <laughs> and uh, ended up uh, I, I same thing. I planned on staying for one. One turned into four. And, uh, next thing, you know, four years later, um, I came to a crossroads where it was like, Hey, I can stay here for another four or, uh, go back home to Canada. And I, I, I took the road that, uh, led me back home to Canada and started a job here. So it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was not an easy decision to, to leave Japan. I mean, you have all these foundations of relationships that you have, and then they just kind of sever,
2: you know? Yeah, no, I, I I totally understand that. Funny you say that because one of my professors said, uh, I, I, he put it as, uh, you know, oh, if you're going to do that and you're not sure what you're doing, you're, you're hitting the snooze button on life. And I was like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that, that always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. But total extension to university. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: and for me, this this is an interesting conversation because here I'm talking to two guys and you've both had extensive experience traveling the world and living in different areas in the, le- in the world. And I am uh, on the total other end of the spectrum where I have barely traveled even on vacation uh, to other areas of the world and I definitely have not lived anywhere else. So I'm curious to know from both of your perspectives, Was the experience of living in different parts of the world for extended periods of time what ultimately helped you realize and appreciate this great country of Canada that we live in and all of the services that we have and ultimately what got you to come back here?
1: I mean, for for myself, I mean, you know, living in Japan was essentially flipping the world as I knew it upside down, you know, I'm basically living in an area of concrete jungles and rice fields and, and, you know, I'm taking the bike everywhere, I'm taking the train everywhere, I don't own a car. Um, you know, but it, what it really did for me is open up my eyes and and, and make me more open minded to a lot of other cultures, different customs, all that type of stuff. But the at the end of the day, it was always being compared to what was normal to me, which is Canadian culture and Canadian lifestyle. So although I know there's th- that, you know, as they say, greener grass on the other side. I was able to experience it but on the same time and in the same notion you know Canada's home I love Canada and I love being here aside from obviously family and friends and all that sort of stuff but this is really my comfort zone
2: yeah I I, very similar Uh, you know it, it really flipped things on its head for me but I think that was part of the you know the drug if you will I like one of the main reasons that I stayed is in my first year I you know in Canada, we don't learn a lot about, um, you know, at least in in high school, you know, you could take some classes in university if you were so inclined, but we don't really learn a lot. We learn a lot more European history as opposed to Asian history, um, you know, and and uh, that, that was, I was learning new stuff all the time. That was one thing that was really uh, exciting for me. The other thing is too, is that you know, I notice a lot of people. We they run around and they say, "Oh yeah, Canada is the best country in the world," and this and that. But they don't really have anything to compare it to. And and you know, I actually do. I, I've I've traveled much much more than the places that I've lived, and I can tell you, we got a really good deal here. I think even now with the current situation, we're starting to see some of the level of support. Um, you know, and again, not to not to dwell on that, but I I just it, it makes me even feel a lot better that, um, you know, cause I'm speaking to people on a daily basis who are in different areas of the world and listening how that's going. And, uh, you know, we're doing, we're doing a pretty good job. So yeah, I, um, I really appreciate it here. And I, I think I appreciate it even more, uh, now that I do, I remember, um, somebody I was sitting there when I got back and I was sitting in a line and somebody was complaining about how long the line was. And I was like. Man, I love standing in this line because, uh, you know, where I've been, you know, it's just a free-for-all. Like, you know, I remember sitting at a fast food restaurant. There's no lines. People are just rushing the counter and getting in where they can and pushing and shoving. So I was like, this line's great. (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that, guys. And and you know, Brandon, kind of getting a little bit uh, bat, more back to the the interview and and what we want to chat with you today about. Um, we've kind of alluded to a few of the things that make Canada such a great country for people to immigrate to, such as access to healthcare or just just an overall um, better way of living than maybe where they were before, but with this being largely a business and marketing show, I'm curious to know what's attractive from a business perspective for immigrants looking to start their own business. Like are, are there things here that attract business owners or potential entrepreneurs from other areas of the world to come here? what
2: What a great question. So, um, Uh, right now, there's a lot of people that, uh, are coming in and they're buying different businesses, uh, usually smaller businesses and they're running them. It's, it's under a program called an owner operator. Um, the program has been around for a while, but it, it, it goes through different cycles of how it's used. Um, normally a lot of people, they'll look at it in terms of, um, you know, uh, a method to come in and and move here and live here. And then they already have their job because one of the things that I always remind people is, is that coming here, immigrating here is actually the easy part. Uh, Settling here is a whole different deal. Um, You know, and that's, that's actually the difficult part. So it's like, yay, everyone's so focused on getting their, their visa as they call it or their permanent residence. And then they're like, great, I got it. Now what am I going to do? How am I going to use my skills? How am I going to get into the job market? How am I going to do all of this stuff? You know, buying a business uh, kind of absolves you of that because that actually gives you something to run. Um, But in terms of the support, like a lot of times, you know, if you're doing, if you're starting a business here, for instance, say you have an existing business overseas and you want to set it up here, there's very strategic reasons. So I'll give you one right now Um, NAFTA or the USMCA, as it's being called now, that allows um, pretty much access into, it allows access into the U.S. market, um, obviously, in Mexico. Um, you know, there's obviously some different changes with that now. Um, but there's also a number of different other agreements that allow for worker mobility. So, for instance, um, you know, we have European trade agreements. We have uh, agreements with the TPP, where uh, the U.S. pulled out of. We're still that's still uh, somewhat of an option for us. There's agreements with Korea. There's Chile. There's Colombia um and 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 Europe. Um so again, there's a lot of different advantages in terms of worker mobility to be able to do that. Um you know, a lot of people look at it in terms of their travel ability uh and being able to set up a business and and uh you know, move things along. I had a client actually that uh, came in here, started a business, um and he uh within within a year and a half, he'd grown that business to to multiple million dollar business, and what he was doing was he's, he was exporting uh, goods from here back to uh, back to his home country um, so you know a lot of people if they they have the skills they can start the business there's a lot of opportunity for that um, also with government support um, you know Canada is really really good with that stuff um, and there's a, there's a lot of different uh, support mechanisms and and again we're seeing that nowadays uh, for a lot of businesses and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great things in that respect. Hmm.
0: Interesting. So you mentioned earlier that getting here is the easy part. Mm-hmm. And so is it easier for people that have a business that they're, they're starting or that they're buying into, so to speak? Does that give them a, a, an additional advantage over
2: others that may not? Uh, yes and no. If they have a business overseas, uh, depending on what they want to do and how they want to set that up over here, that might be a good option for them. However, uh, if they're buying a business, I, I caution people to starting a business with no track record. Uh, it's always preferable to buy something that's in existence and that you can show has the ability to run. Um, you know, that's that's always, from a government standpoint, when they're looking at the work permits and, and the viability of the business, that always sits a little bit better. Um, and, and again, I'm speaking on very general terms because there are you know, uh, and there are and there have existed different provincial programs that would would address those. Um, For instance, BC had one there, where, um, you know, you could buy a business in distress. And the whole idea was, is that somebody was coming in to try to save jobs and different things. Great on the surface, but really the the prospective new immigrant that's buying that business is already, you know, kind of at a bit of a loss, because he's trying to save something that's failing, right? uh, he or she, I should say. So, um,
1: you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Do you notice that, uh, you know, franchises specifically are, are really, uh, attractive, uh, for new Canadians to, to open up because, of, because of, it's kind of an easy start off point, everything's kind of handed to you. And, and is, is what is the reason why franchises are so popular? new canadians
2: well the benefit to franchises is is that you're buying a system right so uh you know they have all the guides they have all of the uh all of the knowledge and and the proven system air quotes on that right so depending on it because i i've been approached by some franchises and uh you know i just i a i've never heard of them and and be are you know like it's tricky so let me just let me just quantify that a little bit so a lot of times some of the franchises that we would think of in in kind of the top tier and again let's take what i'm saying with a grain of salt because i'm not a franchise expert but what what my understanding is is a lot of the people um that are running you know those higher tiered franchises like say a mcdonald's or a tim hortons they don't really want to um Uh, They don't really want to hedge their bet on somebody that is going to mess up their brand, right? Uh, There's I'm not going to mention any names, but there is one well-known or semi-well-known franchise in the Ontario region here uh, that's actually going through to repair their brand uh, because they actually let people come in, take over the franchises. They did a big sell overseas um and then people were coming in and not following their system at all so you'd walk into this particular franchise and you would find oh they they there's their core menu but oh i'm gonna sell you know jamaican pies and i'm gonna sell this I and then mean, they th- then they would just start selling whatever they wanted in the franchise so it now what they've done is they're trying to kind of that's that's actually something that's gone wrong so unfortunately uh People are very limited. Uh, The franchisors are looking at people that, um, you know, are going to be able to operate in their system and not deviate. And and even if, you know, you or I as a Canadian went out to go through uh, for a potential franchisee, um, you know, they have a pretty stringent criteria. So it's even more so on the uh, on the immigrant side as well. Um, because they want to make sure that those issues are taken care of while at the same time they also want to uh, protect the integrity of the brand and and all of that stuff. But there are options there and mostly uh, what we find is maybe not a new franchise, maybe an existing franchise, uh, or even just buying in to a portion of a franchise is, is another option. So...
0: Interesting. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's transition a little bit uh, to a little bit of COVID nineteen talk. And I don't want to dive too deep into to COVID nineteen, but I am curious to know what impact it has had on immigration into Canada, and you know what what things might look like long term for this country as a result.
2: Okay. Whew, I'm gonna take a deep breath here um, and cut me off anytime. So the impact yeah. has been uh, has been monumental. Um, it uh, we've seen things uh, happen that obviously have not happened, and I think every industry is is like that. Um, but immigration, I you know, and again, I uh, I'm al- I'm I'm always one of the first people to criticize, but I'm also one of the first people to commend when when a good job is being done. And I have to say, uh, IRCC, the the government has done, is doing a a fantastic job considering what they have. Um, They've been communicating very well with us through the industry association. They've been keeping everybody updated. Um, As of the day of this this, this, uh, recording that we're doing, I had something that um, has not even been announced uh, publicly by the government. Uh, it, it just happened today, and that was uh, one of my clients was landed via letter. So that's one of the biggest things. And what that means is, is that he had already been approved for his permanent residence, and then what had happened was we just got a letter. And normally the process is, is that you have to go into an office, you have to, you know, they go over a form which is a landing document, you sign it. And then they say, congratulations, welcome to Canada. Or you do that at the airport when you land or, or whatever that may be with the CBSA officer. Um, they had talked about doing phone interviews. Like they they had the provision to be able to do phone landings. But uh, as of today, uh, we saw something totally new and I got a letter in, in my representatives uh, portal and it said, hey, congratulations, you're a permanent resident. This letter is now your permanent residency. So, um, that's new um, what you're seeing in the news mostly though is the travel ban that's been a, that's been a big one and, and you could see that was a really good instance of something that was very fluid um, and again this is where I commend the, the department because they really reacted and they really did things very quickly um, what they did was is they they stopped everybody from coming in except if you're a Canadian or permanent resident and then what they did is they said, mm, you know, we got a problem. There was a story about a, uh, uh, a caregiver that was down in Mexico with her family uh, from the Philippines on vacation. And she got caught up in this travel ban. And uh, what had happened is she got stuck in Mexico. She couldn't come back to Canada and, and she couldn't get back to the Philippines either. So she was stuck there. Um, but what you saw is, is the government was like, man, maybe we should have another think about that. And then they said, OK, anybody who's on a student visa. Or who's on a uh, work permit uh, prior to March 18th was the date, then they could, they could still they could still come in. Um, we've also seen some changes in uh, the way that they're administering things. So for instance, when somebody comes here as a student, they have to uh, they have to, for the postgrad work permit. So after they finish studying as a student, they'll do a postgrad work permit. And what happens is, is the postgrad work permit allows them to work after school, but there's there's certain criteria that they have to fulfill. So the government has adapted on that one as well, and they've allowed people to study online as long as it's not more than 50% of their course, and they can do that from their home country outside of Canada, which is fantastic. Um, and the reason for that is, is because, you know, quite frankly, uh, nobody can travel here. Um, and I'd like to think that the, the government is also taking into account the, the sheer volume of money that comes into this country um, via the international student. You know, you're talking billions and billions of dollars. And quite frankly, we wouldn't have an education system to the likes of what we have right now if there wasn't international students here and, and paying those hefty fees that they pay, uh, which is the real cost of what it actually costs to go to school so um the government's adapted to that they've seen that and and they've done uh things there um but i think really to sum it up what what's very important about the whole thing is they've actually uh looked at the issues and they've they've adapted and they've they've uh they've come out with solutions sure it's not perfect but you know i got to i got to say under the circumstances these things would take like you know 6 8 months to actually push through and uh you know we're not uh um, what's the word it's uh, less
0: anyway. about the politics now and more about just getting stuff done and helping people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that's what I'm, you know, I think I'm proud of most here is that we're actually doing that, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, just to kind of side, side jump to something else there in terms of the business uh, stuff that we've done here. Like I, I was speaking with a colleague down in the U S you know, the, the uh, the money that's trickled down to small businesses, like you know, we were offered that forty thousand dollar loan. Uh, I filled that out. It was like three pages on on the bank's website, and I had that within like within five days, like they said, you know. And and you know, I like unheard of you know i I usually like geez you know you want to get an osap loan there you know it's it's uh it's crazy but um no i i think the responsiveness has been phenomenal on on across all of all of the different areas so that's impressive and now a word from our sponsors
1: this week's episode is brought to you by fresh crowd Fresh Crowd is a full-service social media agency in Canada that specializes in everything social, from management to community building and advertising. Fresh Crowd can help your business attract a fresh crowd of people. Visit freshcrowd.com to find out more.
0: Interesting. And so how do you think this is going to affect your business into the future? Is your is your process going to change from how you help uh, people immigrate to this country is it going to change from a marketing perspective and how you advertise your services what do you think is going to change for you or or has it already changed
2: so we were predominantly online we love uh we love technology mm-hmm. in, in in my company um so we didn't it was very uh you know i was speaking to a colleague and they were trying to get webcams and they were sold out all over toronto and and so just as an example but so we we, uh, we pivoted quite quickly into that and working from home and, and doing all of that. And we preemptively shut down the office prior to being asked because uh, we also provide fingerprinting in our office. We're, we're accredited by the RCMP to do that. So, um, you know, look looking at the news and the high touch stuff, you know, touching people's hands and and staying, you know, right next to them, we, we shut it down pretty quickly uh, for that. Um, however... Uh, how is it going to change? I think everything's going to change uh, going forward. I think that there's a lot of companies right now that are looking like, do we really need all these people working here? And I know people flirted with the idea. I think back in the, you know, in the nineties, people were telecommuting. I remember my, my dad worked for one of the larger banks and he was working from home and, you know, it was all over the phone and, you know, dial up systems and, and all of that. But now, you know, uh, we're in a whole different spot i know that uh a lot of people will be looking for it and i would be very surprised if if uh companies actually went back to that um because i think that the the side benefit to what we're seeing now is is we're seeing a lot of a lot of really great stuff like we're looking at um you know with this pause all the noises stopped so we're able to see um you know what's going on in our businesses where you know where things are where things are at um you know for me uh i'm going to change things obviously um you know we've we've got a few things in the pipe that we're looking at uh and that we're currently working on um but uh yeah you know we've we've been i don't want to say largely unaffected like things have slowed down uh now um uh, but mm-hmm. we're not we're not finished everybody's still working at the company um you know and and uh, we're still pushing ahead but one of the biggest things that See, when when this initial crisis happened, one of the first things I did is I spoke to some people in my industry that have been around a while. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, what do you think is going to happen? And I used September 11th as an example. I said, what happened after September 11th? And it's funny the answers I got. But in immigration, because you'll remember like PRs were canceled and people were missing flights, all of the other stuff and that. And it was kind of a micro crisis but it disrupted things a little bit but a lot of people pulled back right so there's this big rush of and we saw this we saw a big rush of people coming in oh my god i'm stuck what do i do you know all these little issues and so we had to fix those and then people uh tend to pull back because they they want to see what's going on and then uh what's going to happen is is that now everything we're going to get the all clear everything's going to go back to quote unquote normal and then people are going to start rushing in the system oh i got to get that done I've taken a different tact with people, and I've told them I said, listen, you know you're sitting around, you're cleaning out your closets, you're organizing your pictures on your computer or, or you know doing all these things that you would never do anyways and have been on your list for years. Why don't you do something that's that's a little bit more productive and that's prepare for when things open up. I've already seen it, you know I said this I said this months ago, and we've already seen it with Canadian Experience class, which is one of the immigration programs. The current score, the score to get in uh, for that, was in the four seventies. Now, I I, I don't want to get too far into the details on that, but we've seen that score drop down to four fifty five now because the government is still running. They're still they're still running, albeit slower, but they're still running. So you got the the pause in the planet. It's put everybody on pause. So if they need, say, like an English test or uh, an educational credential assessment or something you're not going to be able to get those usually right now. So it's put everybody at stop. They're going to clear out the backlog. And then once those things open up, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a free for all. So you might as well start studying for your English test. Cause as soon as you can book one, go do it, get it done and get it in quickly is, is what, what I, I think is the benefit there. So, you know.
1: I think that's the thing all right, is that everything has come to a standstill on all levels and it's a matter of capitalizing on the opportunity to get ahead right now. And that's that goes across every single business. Uh We are doing it, you know, it's just like, you just got to look at those opportunities now to get ahead and, and, and try to do all you can, all the, all those excuses you had before about having not having enough time to get to it or do it. Now's the time to get it done.
2: Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I think, you know, anybody who, uh, can see that, uh, I think that they're gonna benefit from it later. Um so yeah, that's that's what we're seeing anyways. Hmm.
0: Awesome. Well thanks for sharing that. That's uh that was something I was super interested to know is how this has impacted uh impacted your business but but also people coming to this country because thousands and thousands of people come here every single year. And um, I would imagine that uh, that's that's going to be impacted for the next little bit. So um, before we wrap up, what, is there anything that you'd like to dive a little bit deeper on in terms of uh, the Maple immigration or the Maple process in terms of how you help your clients?
2: I would, but I just I just wanted to pick up on what you were saying in terms of the future about people coming here. Um, I actually think that what we're going to see after this, just to uh, dovetail back into that, mm-hmm. is that um, I, I think that you're going to see like there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be coming here and more interest. You know, it's already there's already been a lot of interest in, in coming here, but I think you're going to see a lot more. And the reason I say that is, is because right now you're looking at, at a lot of pe- a lot of different countries and how they're handling this current situation. And I know from speaking to people that I'm speaking with in all different areas of the world that, that you know, they're quite concerned. And I, I you know, there's um, I, I actually, I don't want to, I don't want to name any countries, but um, there's, uh, yeah, people are handling it a lot differently, um, you know, and uh, I think that people are taking notice of that. The other thing is too is that this country can't effectively. Um, the reason that we have so much immigration is is that we can't actually uh, compete, or we're not using our full potential because we don't have enough people here. That's why you know everyone's like, "Oh, stop the immigrants, stop the immigrants." It's it's the most ignorant thing to say because actually we can we can thrive a lot more if we have more people, and there's study after study that confirms that, and that's why immigration is such a such a big thing. So. I think with the numbers that parliament has announced, it's actually going to uh, be a lot busier when this is done. I think there's going to be a big driving force for people to come here um, after it's done. And I I think that, you know, uh, once we get through all of this, uh, I think, you know, certainly immigration is going to boom. Um, In terms of what we do in the process uh, to answer your question there. um, Obviously we help people. We, we represent their files and, and, uh, we have a, we've always taken a real holistic process, uh, to immigration. And one of the things that I like to remind people is, is that the, as you heard me say before, the visa is not just, or the PR is not just, that's not the end of it. Right. Um, you know, you have to think about how are you going to settle in here? I I had a call two days ago and they were like, Oh, should I bring my family? I'm like, yeah, maybe you should come first and get settled in because you know, you've got a lot, you've got to deal with kids that are in a new environment. You're going to have to deal with, you know, some language issues, some culture issues, and you're going to be starting a new job. Like, you know, you can bring them. I, I, I appreciate all that, but you know, just keep these things in mind. Um, Whereas other people that are coming with no job and they have to parlay that in. And that's, that's one of the sad things. And I, I actually tell people, I, I, you know, I've never seen anybody come here and rip their family up and move over here. And we're going to make a good go of it as much as I respect that, you know, that kind of explore mentality of like, let's go make a new life in the new land. I, I I love it. I think it's great. However, um, you know, I've, I've told people, I said, you know, maybe you should rethink about what you're doing. Uh, Hmm. Because I, I don't think that like, for instance, my, my favorite uh, example of that is I, I deal with a lot of doctors and they're in their forties and fifties. And um, you know, I just tell them, I say, buddy, you're not going to practice medicine here. But if you start drilling down into it and i think this is where i where i like to think that i provide a lot of value is is that we really choose our clients and we really look at uh what's best for them and it's not just about like you know oh my next file retainer or whatever because really at the end of the day this is a person's life that they're uprooting and uh what we see is is that um you know if you start when you start talking to that doctor why do you want to come here? Oh, it's because I want my kids to have opportunities that I didn't have or that they can have in the future. Well, great. Instead of you screwing up your life and and not being able to live your life to the full potential, why don't you send them as a student? They can come here. You can achieve that objective. You can continue to work and and uh, you know you can immigrate later and spend your your golden years here. But you don't have to throw your life or your career away for that for that goal. So again, it's just rethinking it. Right. And, and, uh, it's, it's not one solution that fits everybody. And I think that's where we really excel, um, is that we want to, uh, we want to make sure that people go in really informed and, uh, you know, they get out what they, what they expect and what their dream is to be here.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And do you, uh, is it just individuals that you, you work with or do you also help institutions and businesses attract, um, attract people to this country who they may want to attract to work for their organization?
2: So we've, um, we mostly work with the individual. We do work with, we're not really, uh, we do have some corporate, uh, clients that we work with, but, uh, not as much. Uh, we work mostly with the individuals and we'll work with smaller, medium type businesses as well that want to bring in workers. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of where we're at. We're not really in the corporate, uh, market as much, um, But, uh, yeah, we, we generally bring in the individual, uh, most of the time. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, um, that's great. Jay, do you have any uh, final comments there?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I've been to, I've been to Brandon's office. I've been in there. It's, uh, you know, you deal with quite a bit of different people on a regular basis, right? And, 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 you know, in, if you can give, I mean, our audience is a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, um, what is your kind of standard I mean go to when you're going to deal with clients? How do you manage clients? How do you nurture clients to ensure they have a great experience when they work with you?
2: So, we um we again and and I know this sounds but in in my in my logo it says um trust, expertise and personalized service, right? So, those those words were chosen with um with the client in mind, right? Because again, they have to give us their trust to be able to do that. Like literally, somebody's coming in and saying, "Okay, I'm going to put all of my future hopes on coming to this country into you and your service." Right? That's a that's a huge thing. And look, Jay, you know me too, right? Like I, you know, uh, you know, I'm always asking questions or 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 things like that. <laughs> um, along the, along the lines. And my clients are the same. And actually those are the clients that I, I, I like working with the most. The clients that scare me are the people that don't ask the questions. And then they later they're like, Oh, but what about this? And it's like, yeah, it's something you should have asked about six months ago. I don't work with people like that. Um, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to personalize the experience. Uh, we ask for them to put the trust in us to be able to do it um obviously we keep up on our expertise because that's what we're providing and that's the value that we're doing but the last component of that is the personalized service and what I get out of the personalized services is that a lot of places like prior like in the early 2000s or, or before that this it was a very cookie cutter approach that was that was applied to this back in 2000 I think 13 or 12 uh, you know, I looked at it and it was just like, you can't, you cannot get through the immigration system in this cookie cutter, like templated type of application. And that's how I deal with, with our clients. Like I know every single client that I'm working with and I know them as well as, you know, uh, not only on a professional basis, but I know a lot of, you know, what's going on personally. I, you know, I always joke that I had a lady uh, call me up and she asked me to help her with her taxes. And I I was like, you know what, I really appreciate that you would come to me and ask me those questions, but I, I'm the worst person to be doing your taxes, but I will refer you over to a good person. So, um, but that, that, the way I look at that is, is that that's really what we're striving for is that we're striving to have that type of connection. And we've built that into a process. Um, It took us about a year and a half uh, to really unpack everything. And we've systematically put it put it together in in a process that we have. And, and we're really, really happy about that, because uh, we're striving to provide that consistent uh, type of experience for for everybody that we work with. Yeah. You can tell, you can tell
1: even just by talking to you and watching you interact with your clients that you genuine, genuinely care about your clients. And I think that needs to be a prerequisite for the industry that you're in because people are looking for that sort of um, TLC from somebody that's managing, you know, the kind of work that you're managing for them. Right. And I think that's, that's almost imperative. And, and um, you know, to sum it up, we can talk about this for a lot longer talking about client management and things like that, but um, maybe you can give a a shout out to the, to the book that you recently published.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah. So I put together a book, it's called second passport and uh, it's basically a, you know, a guide to, you know, a safe secure alternative home in Canada is is the, is the, uh, the subheading of the book. Um, and what I did was is I've we've had a process that we've used. Um and uh, you know, we call it the immigration success system, where uh we looked at immigration as a whole. There's basically three phases: there's the planning, the implementation, and settlement. Um, and the settlement is the one that uh again, you've heard me allude to this a couple of times, but this is where a lot of people have uh have their issues. Um, because they focus on that. And and I was lucky because prior to actually becoming uh, a regulated immigration person, I actually got to work and help people settle into Canada. And I was like, wow, like, you know, this is this is tough. Like, you know, it's tough. And they're dealing with so many things. You know, there's there's just getting here and getting your family settled and getting your job and and getting the kids in school and and setting up bank accounts and trying to navigate a foreign system like it's it's a lot of work and um i don't think that i think you know sometimes a lot of people what they'll they'll have this dream of coming to canada and I've seen, I've seen people living overseas and, and, you know, they find out, oh, you know, it's always been my dream to go to Canada and and this, and they really, it really is a dream for a lot of people. They've, they've seen people immigrating and they have this idea that, you know, if they move there, then they're, they're going to be rich and, and, you know, and they're going to live happily ever after. It's, it's no, it's not, it's, it's actually, um, you know, it's really tough to get going. And, um, this is what I like to tell people and this is what the book is all about too in the last phase because I, I point out that like anything in life, right, you have to plan it, you have to do it, and then you just have to follow it up and keep consistent. So um, that's basically, you know, I'm not writing any magic here. It's it's basically for anything. So you need to have a plan and that's the first phase. And then the second thing is, is getting it done and getting it done properly, but then a lot of people think it stops there and that's where it just begins uh, because at least with the immigration uh, application there's you know it's it's um, it's regulated by uh, like an act and uh, immigration regulations and whatnot whereas uh, you know settling into this it's all it's all like it's a free-for-all like hey you're here great okay now go do and um, they have government services for a lot of that stuff um i'm not a fan of most of them truth be told because i find that uh a lot of and i should be very careful with what i'm saying but i'm gonna say it anyways um a lot of services uh are funded and they're funded basically by the government where um they get paid for the number of bums on seats and i've i've had some pretty big run-ins uh with with some of them because they'll ask them to take for instance english courses when the guy doesn't need an english course needs an accounting course for instance so he can learn how to use a piece of software that will get him a job but they want him to do these other prerequisite courses like write a resume for a week and and different things like that where buddy just needs to get the skills so he can go get a job and he can get working he doesn't need to sit in in an organization for two months um you know and and uh (laughs) you know and uh get get more funding for that organization And, and unfortunately I'm not I'm not pointing the finger because there, there is a there is a lot of good ones, but unfortunately there's a lot of people that are doing that. And and that's where I try to empower my people to say, listen, don't, don't just run around and do all of this stuff. Understand what you need to do. Have a plan prior to coming here, um, and then be able to use that plan so that you can you can hit the ground running. And that's that's actually the biggest trick right there. It's just planning before you get here. There's a thousand things you could do before you get here and when you're spending money to settle.
0: Awesome. Well, that that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect place to wrap up. Have a plan, and then ultimately do the work when you get here. So um, that's a good motto to live by for anybody. So so Brandon, thanks a lot for sharing um, your wisdom today, telling us about your business, and providing us a little uh, insight into something that is extremely important in this country to the way that we live and and the services that we have access access to. So um, for those that would like to get in touch with you to discuss anything further that you mentioned today, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Um, Great. Well, they can, they can, uh, they can go to the website, uh, which is mapleimmigration.ca or give us a shout, Um, you know, uh, check us out on Google there. You can find us easy Um, or, uh, or just drop us a note at support at mapleimmigration.ca. And of course, Facebook.
0: (laughs) Of course, all the socials. Perfect. Well, that's great. And so one final question we we end every single episode with, and this is going to be an interesting one for you, um, is if you could choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your brand, who would it be and why?
2: Oh, wow. One person. So initially, when you said that, I don't know why that popped into my head, but uh, I was going to say Jimi Hendrix, and I don't know why. (laughs) Um, Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah, I just I don't I don't even know. That just ran into my head. One person better alive uh to represent my brand. Uh honestly, I, I would have to say it would be my grandfather. Uh and I I know that's just that just is sounds really schmarmy, but it's true because uh you know, a lot of what I do uh in my business, uh you know, my my grandfather ran his own businesses for a number of years. And, uh, you know, he, he did it properly. And uh, when I, I I remember going to his funeral and I remember meeting people just by chance that have known him over the years, not a bad thing to say. And it was, it was always like, you know, I'd always get a story of how he helped somebody out or how he did something else. Um, So yeah, that's one thing that I, uh, that I, um, yeah, that's, that, that's who I would say represent my brand because it's, it's internal to me. So famous in my world maybe not in your world but uh you know uh yeah that's it or or we can go with Jimi hendrix that's up to you
0: (laughs) we'll take both um i'm sure your grandfather would love to have jimmy as his sidekick so that's that's great yeah well thanks a lot for sharing and uh we appreciate you being on the show today brennan
2: awesome thanks guys